Hello and welcome to Chicklicks. I'm Bridget Hovell. And I'm Mackenzie Chapman, and this is a Chicklet, a mini episode of Chicklicks where we have a quick discussion of a new movie or TV show. Today we are talking about Candyman, director Nia DaCosta's reboot slash sequel to the 1992 film of the same name. Produced by Jordan Peele, Candyman 2021 stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen II and Tayana Paris as an artist and his girlfriend who are pulled into the lore of Candyman. And we saw this movie yesterday, together, in a theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yeah. It was a surprisingly um, full theater, which it was like 2 p.m. And we have been to a few movies, Mm -hmm. together and not together, and I, the only other one that was as full as this was Green Knight. Yeah. I saw Green Knight. Which I was surprised. I was surprised too. I got a text from a friend before I went to bed last night, a friend in Houston who just got out of Candyman and said that it was packed. It was the most packed movie she's been in um, since getting back into it. Uh, so I'm excited for this movie to make um, a lot of money, hopefully, and uh, generate interest. But it is weird to be in... Um, it's just a weird state of movies right now. Mackenzie, what was the last horror movie, like recent horror movie, um, that you have seen that you found to be very scary? I was thinking about this yesterday after we left the theater. That's a hard, that's a hard question. Yeah. Um, the two, I mean, when I think of like horror movies that have mm. absolutely terrified me and like af- affected me in a way where I... Mm-hmm. was you know my muscles were sore because I was so tense yeah uh and I was like had to pause in the middle mm-hmm. and like take a break <laughs> mm-hmm. so were like The Descent and Oculus yeah and those are like the two movies that I th- are like are just terrifying on mm-hmm. like a visceral level but I don't think it's hard to get there I think it is um I agree with you I was thinking about, after we left Candyman, how this Candyman was often violent and gory, but I was never scared at any point throughout the film. Um, I thought some of the violent parts were kind of telegraphed before they happened. And it made me think about how, in recent years, uh, some very high concept, I'm saying that with air quotes, uh, horror movies have become like very successful or critically acclaimed. I think this kind of began maybe with like The Witch you know, where it was um, kind of seen as like a prestige horror film, uh, which I wouldn't classify as a very scary movie either, you know, Um, where I just feel like maybe now Hollywood is producing these big budget horror movies that aren't very scary, but they're very high concept. I don't know. I'm kind of like rambling right now, but... Uh, Well, I think also there's like... Like... um this sense of like dread that is relied mm. on more than and I think that's different than yeah I I don't know uh, because like I I do think the Candyman did have some like I I was like uh I definitely wasn't as scared as I was in the first one the first one I also think like mm-hmm. that's another one where I was like this was super scary like it, yes and it was really good too um I don't think it was as scary as like Oculus and the Descent. No, that could just be me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's very scary, um, and I think that um, in this uh, remake, I think that I was 
impressed that I was able to like keep a sense of like of dread mm-hmm. uh sort of throughout the whole movie, even though I you are, are like immediately know who the like villain is or like mm-hmm. Candyman. You like see him sort of mm-hmm. right away. And I think that in some with some horror movies that is what um makes me less afraid is like immediately knowing what the monster is yes um and mm-hmm. like knowing what to expect so i was like i think it's hard to like still sort of feel that sense of dread mm-hmm. with knowing who the monster is but i do think that some of the things that made it less scary was where like it relied more on cgi mm-hmm. i think i think one of the things that made the original Candyman so scary it's like the it was very like tactile like it was just gross in a way that Mm -hmm. this one felt um Angelica Jade Bastion in her Mm -hmm. review said it's glossy to the point of being featureless and I think that is like a very uh good distinction between Mm -hmm. why this movie was less effective than the original because in the original the the bees are real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Remember, he got uh, Tony Todd got like a bonus for every bee sting he got. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the kind of work on display, and it's yeah. very difficult. I think every review we've read and in our conversations about the movie, it's very difficult to disentangle this movie from the original. Um, and I don't think this movie necessarily wants to be disentangled from the original. This is a reboot slash sequel that I think wants to address some of the weird inconsistencies or contradictions in the first film. Um, I would say it's not altogether successful in doing some of those things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first movie, just as a brief refresher, and I think we should also say we're going to spoil both movies in this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. The first movie is about um, a white grad student who kind of plays tourist slash ethnographer of this community, Cabrini Green, and all of the um, the violence happening there. Uh, and she kind of invokes this folk legend Candyman and then, uh, you know, gets pulled deeper and deeper into this world and kind of become frame, framed for murders he commits. Um, and the I think the contradiction, this movie, this update, seeked to... Um, change was that Candyman's a lot of his victims in the original movie are black people uh, which didn't make sense I think for a lot of audiences since he is a his origin story is that he was lynched by a white mob um, so this movie an important change they make is that there's multiple candy men um, which I understand why they would do that but I think Tony Todd in the original movie is so charismatic and scary and his performance makes the film um and i missed him throughout this whole movie i i missed him too yeah for sure i think that another Mm -hmm. thing that makes the original more scary is um which i think is related to it feeling like more tactile it's just it's it was more like grounded and uh Mm -hmm. in place i think yes because i think with like, one of the scary parts of the original is, like, this um, concept that he's, like, hiding in the walls. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that's really effective and super scary. I think that concept is just really scary, that someone is, like, hiding in your walls and could yeah. come out at any time that you mm-hmm. don't know. Um, so, and that that was 
alluded to in the remake, but or the sequel, I guess. Um, but I, it wasn't like a focal point at all. It was like in the past he hid in a wall, and then like yeah, it, uh, is like part of the art installation that mm-hmm. the art guy does. But I think that was like a key part of sort of the folklore that was kind of missing um, mm-hmm. around it that I thought, like, I think that in this one, they more heavily focused on like the razor blades in the candy in the mirrors. Which, yeah. Yeah. And, um, which I think is just less scary. <laughs> yeah, it is less scary. And also, so, uh, like can the, someone would find a piece of candy and on the ground and their first impulse was to unwrap it. And I was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, ew, ground candy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, yeah, just didn't make sense. Uh, so this movie follows this artist played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen and his girlfriend, who's a gallerist. I also think that, these two as characters, why I enjoy both of these actors, I didn't like really understand uh, a lot of their motivations throughout the film or many characters' motivations. Also, Coleman Domingo's motivations, he pops up as a neighborhood um, fellow who works at the laundromat. Uh, very Just kind of confusing and muddled to me, especially in the third act when everything kind of climaxes. I didn't get why people were behaving the way they were. Oh, for sure. Uh, yeah. I think it was it was a short movie. Mm-hmm. It was ninety minutes. It felt longer. And yeah, but it, it but it was not a tight ninety minutes. Yeah. Like it, um, there were a lot of things that I think could have been removed, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that were left unexplained. Like I yeah. think that I didn't feel like you said like I understood any of these characters Mm -hmm. and I think that is really like it's like for a movie that is it spends so much time like telling not showing Mm. things like uh things like this neighborhood is gentrified like it'll just say a line that makes that very clear Mm -hmm. which um I I think that that is an important topic to explore in a movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that it could have been more compelling if it was told through the character stories rather than just throwaway lines of dialogue. Yes. And it's just definitely not there. Like, uh, there is like one flashback for. Brianna mm-hmm. uh, and her father committing suicide, which I didn't even realize what was going on until way later in the movie. I didn't even understand like what that was about. Yes, and and also with the Burke character, the man who works at the laundromat, who tells um, what's the main Anthony. 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 Yeah, mm. I was thinking that, but then I was like, I'm watching The Sopranos. So oh no, maybe I'm <laughs> mixing them up. <laughs> um. Maybe, uh, so he, he tells Anthony the legend. Um, yes. Mm. He has a flashback that I guess is supposed to explain, uh, like his uh, sister was killed by Candyman, and that's supposed to explain uh, why he is involved in this, <laughs> I don't even understand what it is, this yeah. plot. But I it also it contradicts the like, and I think Angelica Jade Bastion brings this up in her review that 
if if one of the good things about this update is that mm. Candyman is now uh, sort of this like vengeful mm-hmm. person Spirit, yeah. going after white people, mm-hmm. why does he kill this black girl for like no reason seemingly? Yeah. Um, so it's like a, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's more like literal than the original movie about the rules of Candyman. You know, it's like yeah. Oop, you say his name, you're gonna die. Uh, right, which is a little strange, yeah. And um, Yaya Abdul Mateen's character is revealed to be the baby from the first movie that Candyman steals and then Helen saves. Um, and that reveal comes two thirds of the way into the movie, I would say. And mm. I think if they had put that earlier in the film, so Anthony kind of has this like progression into madness. Um, as he learns more about Candyman or the the various Candymen. Um, and I think if he had learned he was connected, directly connected to the Helen Pyle story and the um, original Candyman tale, I think that would have explained a lot of the stuff he gets into uh, more clearly. Yeah. And like his uh, his art becomes obsessed with it. Another interesting point about a contradiction in this film, like Candyman killing the young black uh, girl, is that the two main characters are um, as Valerie Complex writes in Den of Geek. Uh, the 1992 film was told through the eyes of impoverished people who have no choice but to sit and live with the terror that the legend created. But this new version of the legend spends a lot of time with a bunch of upper middle class yuppies who dismiss Candyman as nothing more than a story poor people made up. Um, so the two main characters are in the art world. Uh, one of them's an artist, one of them's a gallerist. And I think... Uh, the writers wanted to make this connection between black art and white audiences consuming it, which is good. And I think very interesting, but them being art world people kind of just didn't work for me for that reason too, you know, that they were these upper middle-class people. And the original movie is so much about, you know, Helen Pyle kind of being a tourist of poverty and uh, yeah, yeah. I, it seems like it's almost like if these were two different movies. Like I think that yeah, I think that Jordan Peele and Nia DaCosta are obviously you know mm-hmm. now, especially Jordan Peele, like extremely well known in the yes. film world, and they're that is what they have to like grapple with. They're the perfect people to tell that story about mm-hmm. black art being consumed by a white audience but I think yeah. that um, I don't know if it sort of works with the Candyman story uh, or at least there wasn't it didn't seem like there was enough time mm-hmm. to do it all um, which is which sucks um, yeah well, well let's talk about what, what did work for us so I think it was okay. disappointing on a few different fronts unfortunately but for instance, I loved, I think we both really liked the opening um, scene, which I rewatched the beginning of the original movie, and it is a shot of Chicago. It's like the camera, you probably remember this, the camera tracking through Chicago, looking down into the city grid, and the title card, Candyman, appears on one of like the highways. Um, this is the reverse, which was kind of interesting to realize where it's almost as if you're lying down and someone's passing you through a city street and you're looking up yeah. at the skyscrapers in the fog. That was cool. 
Yeah, um, it was super cool. It was very mm-hmm. like disorienting and like otherworldly. Yeah, and I really appreciated that and that like callback to the original. Mm-hmm. I loved that, and I do think that a lot of the uh, like it was like a very good looking yes. movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and I think. I think that ha- it has like promise. Like I liked the cinematography. I think, <laughs> yes, good gowns, good gowns, great gowns. I like I like the music as well. So the original movie mm-hmm. had this iconic score by Philip Glass. This film, the music was done by Robert Ike Aubrey Lowe, and I think he was kind of riffing on the Philip Glass theme yeah. in a cool way, mm-hmm. which yeah. is yeah, I, yeah, I liked it. I liked Tayana Paris's performance as Brianna. I did think it was unfortunate that as a black woman, her whole thing was kind of like her relationship with her father and her boyfriend being like her main descriptors. Uh, And I I feel like the movie kind of knew that. She has a conversation with um, a more established uh, black uh, art world person, um, woman art world person I meant like she's a curator uh (laughs) and her the curator is interested in her because of her connection to Anthony and her father who was an artist and you sense that Brianna's like frustrated by that but I was also like the movie is interested in her for those reasons too you know yeah (laughs) so that was unfortunate and um and I guess like I guess one of the reasons why it's frustrating that this movie wants to sort of grapple with like white art, black art consumed by white audiences, like we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. But it also, it's like doing, it's like, it's like perpetuating sort of, that kind of. It's, yeah, it is perpetuating that. Like, like, angel- not to just keep. Up she's such a great critic you. though yeah yeah she's yeah i just have to <laughs> yeah um she says the film postures as if it wants to critique the ways black trauma is commodified and made successful in the realm of art then does the very same thing it's a spectacle mm-hmm. uh not a lived experience in Candyman, the filmmakers are interested in the black body but not the soul and mind that animates it yes so like t- pretty much sums up how i felt about it was yes it's like mm-hmm. it wants to it it's like a lot, on a silver platter. It's like we're critiquing this, but it's also what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Which is like kind of confusing and dis- frustrating, I think. Yeah. And I would be interested to read more um, opinions about the film's use of Say His Name as a marketing tagline, mm-hmm. because Say Her Name is most, I think, most known for being kind of a rallying cry that black women created to draw attention to black women, victims of police violence. Um, so like Breonna Taylor, for instance. Uh, so I thought that was Mm -hmm. a little cynical almost on the part of Hollywood marketing, uh, perhaps, but, um, yeah, I would just be interested to hear if more, if more people were kind of struck by that in a negative way. Right. The original film just had such, like you mentioned such a stronger sense of place. Um, you know, like the Cabrini Green as a place, the right. the the kind of shots in the walls or in the church. Yep. Um, this one much less so. Yeah, and also the CGI looked bad. The CGI was really bad. Like yeah. that's another thing. Like they, I like body horror. This movie mm. does have body horror, and yeah. I appreciated that. I guess, but it's also it was still less 
gross than the first one. Yeah. Which doesn't have that much body horror, but he's sort of like in this dirty coat the whole yeah. time that's just like covered in blood and like you see like a fur like matted yeah. blood thing yeah. and it's just like you can like imagine that f- like feeling on your skin and it's just like gross you know and I don't think mm-hmm. this this movie you're like oh that's fake <laughs> like yeah so it doesn't quite go there for me mm-hmm. totally agree and yeah that Tony Todd does not get enough I think presence in this film too I, I totally agree yeah he's so good he is so good he's so scary in the original movie yeah. his voice is scary and uh, yeah yeah they should have used that more too they yeah. they, they mm-hmm. very quickly at the mm, at the end use it and mm-hmm. I did think to myself the first time that Anthony says Candyman five mm-hmm. times right after it I felt like his voice changed for like mm-hmm. two line yeah. deliveries after that a little bit, just like in a very subtle, like yeah. it just got a little bit like deeper and a little bit more echoey. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just imagining it, but I was like, Ooh, is there, are they going to like use that? Because it was something that I admired so much about. The original. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, well, I think, uh, it'd be worth returning to our conversation on the original film, which we did, I feel like maybe two years ago at this point. Yeah. A while um, ago, but it was a lot of fun. What did we do with it? We did get out with it. Um, Oh, okay, cool. Which is interesting. I, you know, Jordan Peele, I loved get out and I loved, uh, us. I always, am like, this is us. No, that's (laughs) not the same thing. Um, but I think we did it together because we knew he was remaking it. Yeah. Now I remember. I know because this movie was also supposed to come out last year. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I just, it's hard with reboots and sequels. We watched a trailer for the next Halloween movie uh, before this too. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like we're retreading on things without sometimes making them, I don't know, it just doesn't always work. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I will see the new Halloween movie too, but it looks Same. very, very silly. Like yeah. <laughs> when she's like, Michael is transcending. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's jump into one star reviews briefly. Uh, this we found to be interesting because to um, black women critics, we read the movie did not work for them. And this movie also really ticked off a lot of beef headed uh, racist white people. Uh, yeah. So kind of interesting. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, the first one star review is exploiting the issue of racism and including it in a horror movie in a strange way for the purpose of nomination for awards and obtaining high ratings from the critic. It's like, also, do you think this movie is going to be nominated for awards? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. But like, I get what they mean because I feel yeah. like, uh, yeah, you know, like I feel like um, prestige horror is like on the come up or something. Yes. Or oh, definitely. Definitely. Know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And the second person just simply titled his review "BLM Trash Propaganda Film," so gives you a sense yeah. of what people uh, on the grossest corners of the internet are thinking. <laughs> right. It is like, and I was saying this before. But like, who? What? Who is this movie for? Mm-hmm. Like, is it for? Like, it's just gonna piss off white racists 
idiots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna maybe be harmful to people that want are like Angelica Jade Bastion's review is pretty critical mm-hmm. of it. Like yeah. for being kind of exploitative. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. know. I feel like the whole thing felt kind of rushed, you know, in terms yeah. of production too. Like I, yeah, we, they had to sit on it for a while because of COVID, but yeah. yeah. Well, kind of a bummer note to end on. <laughs> so I'm going to rate this movie a five, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd remembered what I rated the original because I, I really liked the original. I like the original too. I had my hand in a five before you said anything. Oh, Cause I wanted to see really? if we would be the same. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I did. I wasn't looking at you. So. Well, no, no. I did it off screen. I was like, I'm going to see oh, okay. if we have the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. We're just vibing. We're vibing. We wore the same outfit to the movie theater yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to give it a five, too. Um, I I like both Jordan Peele and Neo DaCosta. Um, I liked all the performances. Except maybe... Yaya Abdul Mateen, maybe because I was just comparing him to Tony Todd, but and I liked him in Watchmen. You know, I just maybe. Well, yeah, that's the thing too. It's like I don't blame the actors. I think mm-hmm. the writing was really like probably the weakest part. Yeah. So I think that like mm-hmm. in different roles they could have been yeah more impressive. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, uh, what's his name? Domingo Cole. Domingo Coleman. Oh my gosh, he's Coleman. always good. Yeah. Yeah, Domingo Coleman's always good, so. Coleman Domingo. Coleman Domingo. Jesus Christ. Let me look it up. <laughs> no name. Coleman Domingo. Yeah, that's his name. Oops. It's Coleman Domingo? Yeah. Not Domingo Coleman? No. <laughs> Unless you're addressing him for last name. First name. Yeah. Yeah. As someone with a last name as a first name, I should I should know better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's always good, and this was kind of a mini If Beale Street Could Talk reunion, too. Because Tiana Paris plays the sister in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, that's our rating. Chick Flicks is researched and written by Bridget Hovell and edited by Mackenzie Chapman. Many thanks to Tim Grieve Carlson for our music. Our next episode will air on September 6th, and we'll be discussing Babe and Pig. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, you can follow Chick Flicks on Instagram and Twitter at Chick Flicks Pod and email us at chickflickspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.